came down the stairs very quietly and there was a car waiting for us. That was the last time I saw my father and my grandma and anyone on that side of the family for many years. I can, I can hear it, that rejection, the loss, like it's still in your body to some degree. It wasn't very common uh, for her to say, I love you. It wasn't very common to talk about emotions and feelings and difficult things. You just don't talk about it, you just get over it. Do you believe that these patterns that happened in your life and between the generations were part of the environment that you grew up in or something that we can heal and put ends to? It's great to have you back for another episode of Opportunity Made, where we share practical lessons to break patterns, get unstuck, and find freedom in business and life. I am your host, Katherine Lewis. If you're new with us, in each episode, my incredible guests and I will bring you empowering insights and easy-to-understand takeaways you can use to transform your life. You'll learn effective ways to grow as a leader, Clear your success blockers and make new opportunities, giving you a life you love. Today, I am so excited to have a very special guest who is an author, coach, and business sales leader at LinkedIn, Veronica Carrera. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you, Catherine. So nice to be here. Yeah, it is wonderful to have you. I'm going to give a quick audio description of myself and then you can follow suit if you like. So I am a European-American woman with blonde hair that's tied back. Today, I am wearing a black sweater with a blue collar and it has rhinestones. It's very flashy and, and makes me happy. Wow, that's a beautiful description, Catherine. Let me see if I can do a good job myself. <laughs> I am a Latina woman with brown skin, and I have short uh, hair with highlights, blonde highlights, and I think that's good, and I'm wearing glasses today. Perfect. Well, I think we both look spectacular. <laughs> so, all right. I'm excited to uh, share all about your life story. It is one that just deeply resonates with me. You know, we met through an event at LinkedIn and then had a couple of other conversations since. And there's one piece of erotica. I was digesting it and thinking about it. And it's your character. It is your character that really resonates with me. And so I want people to get to know who is Veronica Carrera. Will you share more of your general personal background and story? Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Catherine. That is the biggest compliment that I can have when someone tells me that what resonated the most with them was my character um, because that's the most important thing for me. Everything else is just an expression of who I am on the inside. And so if I can explain a little bit about me, um, uh, and, you know, maybe I can start a little bit with the, the central part of the story. You know, um, the book is called 140 Miles of Life, A Remarkable Journey to Self-Acceptance and Love. 
and maybe that will help me uh, explain some key things about myself through the title of the book. 140 miles of life. Why did I call it 140 miles? Some people don't, don't get that immediately. It's because 140 miles is the longest endurance triathlon in the world. And it is called the Ironman. I hope I'm, I always have a hard time pronouncing that. Ironman. <laughs> it is a, a race that is, um, is three categories, uh, the swim, the bike, and the run. And the swim is 2.4 mile. It's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run. So it's a marathon at the end. And there is a limit of 17 hours to complete this race. And why did I start with this? Because that's the, the, the title of the book. Aside from that, because I did an Ironman and I participated in a few Ironmans in my adulthood. Um, and it is it's, it's part of me. I grew up as an athlete since I was a child. I competed in pentathlon and I was born in Guayaquil, Ecuador in South America. So um, with a single mom, who did her best to raise me and she died when I was nine. So you can imagine me now not having a dad in my life and not having a mom in my life. Grandma was the one who raised me after that. And, and sports became a beautiful and powerful outlet for me to express myself and to find my, my place in life and my confidence. And it's interesting that that was an important part of my childhood, a source of strength. And then it became a source of strength in my adulthood as I had to face some significant challenges in my life. So I'll say one more thing to your question because the other part of the title after 140 miles of life is a remarkable journey to self-acceptance and love. And why a remarkable journey to self-acceptance in love because what happened is and the Ironman became a metaphor for my memoir, for my whole story, a story of trials and triumphs, a story of tears to triumph, um, and a story that um, I had to leave. And as many of you who are listening, you each have your stories where you may have been part of an institution, whatever that institution means, it can be a relationship, it can be a religious institution like in my case, or it can be a professional setting where you feel that you are not enough or you are made feel that um, you are broken and there is something wrong with you and then you're, not, you're just not good enough. And for me, to find my place, a place that I call the sacred home within, and to find that place inside of you where no longer any external reality or anything that anyone, any structure or any entity or any person can tell you otherwise than what you have arrived to yourself to know that your love that you are whole and you are complete. And, you know, I'll stop right there because you may have additional questions on what is that story in between, but um, that is the essence of 
of my my story and 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 maybe I should add one more thing um, because my story is not for people just to say, oh, take a look at no another story um, because there are a lot of people who have some beautiful, powerful stories. But I want my my story to serve as a portal, as a tunnel for people to find their own inner light. And as a matter of fact, my, my, my dedicatory at the beginning uh, of the book is uh, for to all those who seek the light within. So that's, that's what he says that. And, and that's really, that's really my intent. And I have my own copy of the book here and you'll see the <laughs> different pieces. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of wisdom uh, in your story. One piece you just spoke to is the sacred home within. I just want to sit with that term, the sacred home within. Hearing those words makes me feel calmer. I don't know what it is about that, but I love that phrase. And maybe, maybe what it's drawing to is a truth that we all resonate with whether consciously or subconsciously, we know that there is a place that is sacred within us that we can get to regardless of what storm is happening around us. And the storm could be social, political, emotional, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others. And I think that's what you're speaking to is knowing that there is that sacred place where we can go and we are safe, we are loved, we are held regardless of what's going on around us. But the journey to get from wherever we are now to that place and recognize that we're in that place, like know when we have arrived there, that's a really big journey. And that's the journey that you're talking about in 140 miles of life. Yes. And you talked about a noise um, and we live in this world where there is so much noise. And when I think about this noise and let's use our senses to understand that journey, uh, journey to the self and with a capital S, journey to the higher self is there is so much noise out there and it becomes a cloud, a cloud to our own heart um, where the ray of light is trying to get through. So when we become conscious and awaken to this realization that this noise outside, it is part of the reality that we are supposed to live in, but we must awaken to the realization that it is a noise. And and really, what do we do to dispel this cloud so that we can get to our heart? And when I say that, what, 
what does a business person like me is talking about? Because when I talk about this in the business world, it's like, okay, what is she talking about? Uh, but I believe that when we are able to dissipate these clouds or go through these clouds of the noises, even social media can be a lot of noise, you know, or like, you know, posting and clicking and this, and just so many distractions. And um, going into a job where you may feel like, oh, am I contributing? Is Am I safe here in this job? Does my boss like me? Um, am I safe in this marriage? Am I safe in this relationship? Am I safe wherever I am? Um, what's my purpose? I mean, there's just so much um, going on. And, and I'm... And as I'm speaking right now, uh, I'm trying to get to the essence of what is coming through me is that you got to bring tools into your life to help you understand how you tap into that world within. In my case, I one of the things that I do is meditation. And I know a lot of people talk about meditation. And this morning, I had one of the most beautiful meditations that I haven't had for a while. As a matter of fact, you know, the journey to the self and the journey to healing and the journey to self-love has been an important message in my life. And even after feeling that you arrived, there are moments that I feel like disconnected. And I know that my work is to just continue to connect so that I'm reminded of the big S self, which is calling me to a higher version of the I am, the I am, that eternal essence of who I am. And this in today's morning's meditation, it was so beautiful. There was just this beautiful, harmonious silence where it was just me and this eternal essence and reality, the infinite, whatever you want to call it, the universe. And, and that was it. There was just peace. And peace is something that it sounds so simple and it's such a simple word and it's such a powerful word. And I'll say this because if I'm peaceful within and I'm peaceful in my own life, then when I turn the video on, and I have to speak to anyone at work and everything. I'm so connected to the real self of who I am. And I can be more in tune with the human being in front of me, like the way you and I are talking right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's just about being present in that moment because you're grounded in the truth of who you are, regardless of what's happening around you. How long was that journey to go from who you were, you know, as a child, it was kind of chaotic. It was a little bit uh, lacked in lacked stability, a little bit, to this place where you can meditate, you can get on a call, have a conversation with anyone, regardless of how it goes. You can keep that peace. You know, there might be moments, but in general, you can keep that peace. Uh, I mean, you have that too, Catherine. I mean, when I spoke to you first, I go, wow, this is someone special. And whatever she asks of me, I'm going to do. Uh, if she wants to do the podcast, I have to say yes, because 
I can also recognize if someone is in that same journey or it is in that place of stillness and has transcended a lot or or even is just who she's meant to be already, which is love and light. And I felt that about you. Um, but just to tell you, like you asked me, how did I get here? Maybe I should explain that parts of the story is like, yes, I did tell you that at a young age, my mom died. But the, the story of the book started when I was four years old. And my mom was living with my dad in his mother's home with his brother. So we were on a second floor of a home in the Latin America home where families tend to all live together, three generations and everything. So I was four years old and I remember very well. And I don't know why I remember that it was probably just really early in the morning before 6 a.m. because it was dark. And my mom woke me up, wrapped me in some blankets. My dad was not around. And she said, we have to go. And, and that was basically we were escaping, right? So she wrapped me around some blankets when I asked her, um, Mom, where are we going? What about my dad? And she just asked me to just be quiet. And then came down the stairs very quietly, and there was a car waiting for us. And that was the end of that chapter of my life where that was the last time I saw my father and my grandma and anyone on that side of the family for many years until she died. But I'm speaking about this because I think as a child, um, you don't understand what happened to you. And, and, for, and a lot of the times for a lot of people that have gone through childhood trauma, they, that's not, there, there's a lot that they probably have needed to process, but as a child, that's not the time where your body and your soul is ready to process. So that was the beginning for me of, of a childhood trauma. There was a split, I think, within me because there was a split of a lot of things, of my reality as it was at, at to, up to that moment. But then my mom and I, we lived in several homes, right? She was trying to find a place where we can have food and shelter to survive. And we had this instability until finally we arrived at a home where she became a cook. And I was the daughter of the cook and then the owner of the house um, really cared about us. So I had this the support from, from her and her children. And, and suddenly my mom died, right? When I was nine years old and you saw, you read that part of the story. So that is a second event, um, as a child. And, and, and the one thing that I don't know if, if it was clear in the story when I wrote it is that I never really cried as a child when my mom died. I, I did not, I wasn't able to fall, process even this part. And then my grandma showed up out of nowhere to say, you're coming with me. And grandma, at that time, she doesn't understand about childhood trauma either. So I started now another chapter of my life, and I wasn't allowed to look back or be connected to anyone uh, who was part of my reality up to that moment. So that was another chapter or door that was closed. So I was filled with hellos and goodbyes. And... And this sense of that, of impermanence, that wherever I was, it was never meant to stay forever. 
in the sense that I had to be acquainted with loss. And then now this other chapter with grandma, where I eventually found, um, how I started to look for God, right? And maybe because I wanted to find some meaning and make sense of life. And I would then want to answer. I thought it was important for me to share this so that I can answer your question. Because then I decided to join the Mormon church. And it was beautiful initially because it gave me, it brought me some purpose and meaning. And I found the church even after I went through some difficult times coming to the United States, as you read, right? Coming as an immigrant, my father decided to ask for me, have me come to the state. Now I had to say goodbye to my mother country, which is my culture, my people, everything to come to this culture where I didn't really feel welcome, where I didn't really speak the language, where I had to really take time to feel that I could have a place in this society. Um, so that was another piece. And then at some point, I ended up in a foster home, as you know, because my father's wife wasn't really keen to having me there. So that was something else. And I'm, not, and I'm just throwing little bits and pieces of the story. But the point here is that eventually, um, just going back to what I wanted to say about the Mormon church, I wanted to find meaning. I wanted, I always believed that there was a higher power. And I was so much searching for it. And the Mormon church made sense for me when I was 14 years old. It made sense at that moment of my life. And I was so fully dedicated to this. And suddenly, suddenly what happened, I find out a few years later, I am not the regular person. <laughs> I am what most people will call gay. So Mormon and gay, that doesn't go together. And there was another sense of rejection and another sense of me wanting to find I didn't even want to find anything. I wanted to find, I wanted to just yield to whatever it is and was required of me to feel accepted by God and accepted by my faith. And it took many years. Uh, for those who know the Mormon church, it is a very intense religious institution that requires a lot and that I also gave myself fully to it. I even went on a Mormon mission. I was a um, very successful Mormon missionary by what they consider success. And I ended up teaching uh, in the, uh, the missionary training center. And, and I went to Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon university. So I wanted to kind of give you a little map of all of it to answer your question. Say, so how do you find healing? with one thing after the other that you have to face and that you're faced with. And at some point, after years of a struggle and psychological torture, because the Mormon church believes that being uh, homosexual, as they call it, is a crime next to murder. And um, so <laughs> I definitely don't want that for my life, but even more so, I wanted to do anything to 
be accepted by God, even beyond church. That's all I wanted in my life, to, to be that, that um, to live my life with a purpose to always live connected to that greater power. And after years of trying so hard to be what I was told was the perfect way to be, to be accepted by this inst religious institution, by this society, by my own family, because they don't accept a lot of things. But ultimately by God, I hit rock bottom. I went through what they call a dark night of the soul. And at that point, I had to choose to, to, to give up or to live. And I think when I sat in that um, dark, difficult moment is when and it's a beautiful moment for those who may have gone through this, by the way, because um, uh, Vision Lakani, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the, the guy who, who created Mind Valley, he said he called it beautiful destruction. It's like when you hit that moment when you feel I am just, I don't have anything more to give. I am going to die and broken. I, there is no way out. What's happening is that the old is getting destroyed. It's getting broken down. And now in the depth of that darkness is where you start seeing a ray of light to your new beginning, to your new life starting to shine. And that's what happened for me because that moment was a moment that I said I will no longer continue. That was a moment that I had the courage to, um, to walk away from the Mormon church, which is all I knew, the community, the friends, and now find myself in this new identity and ask myself, so who am I outside of a religious institution that that's all I knew? the friends and the community, then that's all I had. Now I had nothing, nothing left. And if you ever have found yourself in your life in a situation where you feel like, I have nothing left, there's nothing else. So who am I outside of all of this when I don't have an institution to define my identity, where I don't have, yes, I have a job, but that cannot sustain who I am because a job, as fortunately as we are to have them, they are not there to, to fulfill my self-esteem and to give me an identity. They shouldn't, right? But so they, who am I? And that journey of who I am took days, weeks, months, years and discovering the true self, the I am outside of everything where you don't lean on anything but just the journey within. The journey within is the most beautiful journey and it took me years because although I left the Mormon church, I had to undo 
years of dogma, thought structures that cover, as I called it, the clouds, were clouds that did not let me see the true self. So I had to take years to undo all of that until I went through this journey and, and I, and of, of healing, as you know, uh, Catherine, I'll finish by saying this, I, I, I started reading A Course in Miracles, which I have it, I still read it almost every day, uh, which is just universal spiritual truths. And it gave me like a, this huge opening in my mind, in my soul, and awakening. And then I went to Costa Rica and met with shamans and found the practice of meditation. And that's all of this healing, um, I would say, is the uncovering that took years. And then there's a moment that something big happens. There's a moment where you just experience this transcendence and you just know this is who I am. Oh, goodness. Veronica, I have like I have to acknowledge so many emotions are coming up within me right now. First of all, it's a privilege to hear what you're saying because I hope that the audience can hear this coming through the audio. You opened up the front door to your pain in this conversation. Like I can I can hear it that rejection, the loss like it's still in your body to some degree. So thank you for allowing me and and all the listeners to be privy to that. What that illustrates is that you can do this work. It does take years. It takes a lot of internal work. It's a long journey and even so, when you can quote unquote arrive, you still never arrive. Like there are these moments, and I think you and I know these moments that they're hard to describe, but when it happens, you know these moments when it's like, okay, there's another marker where I know who I am. There's another marker where I am connected to that truth. And yet we're still going, we're still evolving. And so it's this paradox between what's certain in our our journey and our and our identity and what's uncertain because we're constantly evolving. And you just illustrated all of that brilliantly. So thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And there's also another reason though um, that I wrote the book is that I believe it doesn't always have to take this long. And sometimes it's okay because we need to go through transformation and that journey is what creates all these pearls of wisdom and the person of who we are becoming and becoming, but at the same time is who we truly have always been. Always. That person is here, is there. It has always been there, but it's a journey to coming back to that person, right? Uh, because we were all born being love and light. That's it, right? Um, and then the world got a hold of us. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and then what I wanted to do with the book is collapse the time of suffering for people. Like, you can find a better way through other people's journeys for yourself, that you are not alone, and what does it look like? And perhaps this race of light that comes either from reading something powerful from experiencing a shamanic ceremony or from your own meditations, whatever it is, that, that pillar of light, sometimes I call it race, and sometimes a pillar of light 
can make your healing happen also in an instant. Mm -hmm. I love that concept that books are the collapsing of time. It is so true. I love to read so much because of that very reason. You see a lifetime in 300 pages or 200 pages and then you can quickly learn. You don't have to go through everything because I would love it and as I think you would too if we all got to that place a lot sooner, a lot earlier in our lives. Yeah, because uh, we were meant to be happy. Uh, we are here to be happy. So let's get there sooner. Let's enjoy life to the fullness sooner. And at times we don't have, at the same time, the paradox that you're saying, but at times it's important to see through the, the pain, right? Because that's where the transformation happens. So, but what is it? It's personal. That sacred journey is personal for, for each individual. But I, my, my, my prayer is for people to find their way sooner so that they can live their highest, truest um, self and their best lives. There were some experiences that you had as a child that I believe were very similar to the experiences of your mother and your grandmother running away, the trauma, the instability. There's this concept that there's these patterns that get passed down from generation to generation when we're not allowed to do that work. When one, you know, grandmother was told, don't feel your feelings, you just got to keep pushing on. And that's how she survives and then passes that on to her daughter and it ends up, you know, reaching the granddaughter. Do you believe that these patterns that happened in your life and between the generations were just happenstance, part of the environment that you grew up in, or something that we can heal and put a quote-unquote end to? I don't know how it has been for you, Catherine, um, and for anyone who may be listening. Um, we all have different family structures. Um, and we all have different things that uh, uh, generationally uh, we have we have inherited. But of course, I do feel like our generation, um, particularly the newer generation, I, I think there there is something really beautiful that you have been ex you have been exposed to more freedom of old structures. And there are more opportunities for you to say, no, this doesn't make sense. These patterns stop with me. And the amount of wisdom and information uh, that you are exposed to allows you to kind of have not even a ray of light, that pillar of light that I talked about for you to decide like, no, what is the life that I want to create for myself? So when you ask, um, can we um, stop this, this pattern that our ancestors have created? Yes. So our ancestors have given us two things, have given us some beautiful um, wisdom and traditions. So that's one. 
because just taking from where I'm, where I'm from, I come from a Latin family that um, this generation of my family, they are super close. Um, they are so loving and supportive of each other. These are my cousins because I have lots of cousins who are just so kind and so thoughtful and they can they come together, they support each other's important events. And and Latin families, that's what happens. It is just so much connection. So that is a beautiful tra tradition that was passed on to this newer generation. And they have taken it to a whole new level, right? And then we look at our my grandma, for instance, who was a matriarch of the family. We look up to her because she has so much to overcome, so much. I mean, part of my book, you you know that she had a tough childhood. And when I look at her life, all I have is compassion, even for the things that she wasn't able to give me. Because when we look at our grandparents or parents, uh, the grace and the forgiveness comes from understanding that they did the best they could with the consciousness and the awareness that they had at that moment. That's all there was. And they and my grandma gave me the best that she could with the life that was given to her. And that is where the love and the acceptance and the, the forgiveness and the freedom comes from. So now, what do I do with that? What do we do with what has been passed upon us, onto us, right? Like for my grandma, then it comes the other part, like it wasn't very common uh, for her to say, I love you. It wasn't very common to talk about emotions and feelings and difficult things. You just don't talk about it. You just get over it, right? So this is the part that then I feel it is my responsibility to find that next version of the self. It wasn't up to my grandma. That wasn't her purpose. Her purpose was to give me whatever she gave me up to this point. Now my purpose is because I am given those internal tools. I have that inner compass to find my way to the next, next step of my conscious evolution. I have been given everything. I cannot blame anybody. The moment I keep on blaming anybody in my past because of, especially my father, you didn't give me this. My father wasn't really a father, you know? And if I keep on staying stuck in that reality, I'm stuck in the past. So what I am anchoring right now is that, oh my gosh, he gave me life. He did provide for me financially up to a certain point. And now I can take all of this. And with these mountains that I had to climb, I built a powerful inner strength. And with that powerful inner strength, I'm going to build the grandest dream that I can dream of and the dream that the divine wants to dream through me. Mm, that is so strong. And I love what I'm hearing in your perspective, which is the world is for you. You can open up, allow that pillar to come through. There's no blaming anyone else. It's all about, yes, I've got these tools. Now, what am I going to do with it? How can I own what is mine to do, right? That purpose, that fulfillment, and then all you can do is be incredibly committed to that and fulfill that out. And that really is all that is ours to do on this earth. And imagine if each and every person just did that. 
right? Like, I love it. Detail. I love how you said it. Oh my gosh, you are such a powerful um, podcaster. I don't know, powerful presenter, uh, Catherine. Um, and and then there's one more thing. Like, the, I love when you said, "Then be truly committed to your conscious evolution." Truly committed because there's something much bigger than ourselves. But then as I'm truly committed to this sacred journey, I, I have to think that I'm here also to help others in this journey, to share this light, to share this knowledge, to share this consciousness. And I guess that's why one of the reasons why you, you have this podcast, because we must be that uh, we must become the message. We must become the voice. Become the message. Oof, that is so good. And that is what you did with your book, 140 Miles of Life. I know that you're a public speaker. I know that you take different opportunities to share this message with whomever it resonates with and whoever's ready to listen. And that's all that we can do, right? Is say, this is what I represent. This is who I am. Take what you need. Leave what you don't. And let's evolve. Okay. okay, so I want to pull a couple of quotes from your book because you've got some really good content in there. One of the things that you say, it's page 107. You said in the context, if people want more context, they can read the book, but you didn't have the luxury of feeling tired or depressed in this particular situation. And what I thought was interesting in what you said is you didn't have the luxury of feeling those particular feelings. So it made me think, okay, if we can feel the entire spectrum of feelings and there are certain ones that we can say no to feeling consciously, not because we're shoving them away, but saying, no, I'm not going to feel that right now. Then what that indicates to me is that we have control over which feelings we're going to feel and which ones we're not. Is that the correct way that you position it in your mind? Or how do you, what is your relationship to your feelings? Yes. You are helping me process this farther. <laughs> My goodness. Um, yes. We, our minds are not the captain. The captain. Uh, we are. And so what is it? If our minds are not the ones that control us, then what is it that is controlling us? And I believe that there is that eternal essence of who you are. Um, and you must have to follow that pool and that inner compass that I refer to to understand what feelings are serving me now and which ones are not? What emotions are serving me now and which ones are not? For instance, I'm allowed to feel defeated for a second, maybe a couple of days, maybe three days, defeated, depressed, whatever you want to feel it. But then um, at the third day, you got to resurrect. You can sit on your ashes, sit on your ashes, it's okay to sit on your ashes because we got to feel the full spectrum of our emotions. But then you must give yourself the power to resurrect. And then what does that mean? Resurrect each day to the emotions that will take you forward in your life. So what I'm 
understanding from that is you can set boundaries around your emotions. You can say, okay, I'm noticing that I'm feeling sad. And this observer within me is watching this other part of me feel this sadness. And then you can say, all right, I'm going to allow myself to feel that. And it again, it's not to shove it away, but it's just a graceful granting of permission to say, okay, let's sit in this for the, an afternoon. Or maybe it's let's sit in this for the day. But then you can say, all right, and now it's time to move on and allow that emotion to be washed away. You know, let the ocean take it, so to speak. Oh, you said it so, so well. Let the ocean take it. It has to be done gracefully because if there is one thing about the journey to self-acceptance and love is to treat ourselves with love, with mm -hmm. compassion. <laughs> Go figure, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Um, in the graceful granting of permission, I had to write it down. That observer then says, okay, my child, you, 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 you hug that child within and soothe that child within and help that child to gracefully, gracefully flow to a state that uh, feels uh, more empowering to take that next step and that next step of your life. That's beautiful. I want to pull on another quote from your book. So you say at page 302, all relationships are a mirror of the relationship with the self. I love this quote because what I think it asks us to do is not only look within, but to understand that every human we come in contact with is a human being. Now, that might sound like an obvious statement, but to me, what it means is I'm not looking at you as I, Catherine, might have probably 10 years ago. Wow, Veronica is incredibly successful. She's an amazing author and an amazing business person, which you are all those things. I'm going to feel intimidated. I'm going to feel insecure. I'm going to feel not enough. And like this person is above me. Instead, what it asks us to do is say, here is the beautiful Veronica, another human being who's on the same plane as I. And we are both light and love and we are both worthy. What is she here to teach me? What am I here to give to her? Right? And we become that mirror and are able to learn from each other. We cannot position each other above one another, put ourselves lower or put ourselves above because we miss the learning. So I loved that quote and it was such a good reminder. You need to write a book, Catherine. <laughs> it, really powerful the way you said it. Um. <laughs> It's interesting because I had thought about it the other way. Every person is a mirror of, of the self. Um, but this doesn't uh, refer to only of the parts of ourselves and still need healing. But it also means the parts, many parts of ourselves that we're light. And the fact that we're here together is because we're both in the same frequency and vibration. And we're both divine. We're both a, a, a version of, of the divine. 
were coming together to give each other the the energetic exchange of wisdom and light to help us become the next version of of ourselves and and that was beautifully said it's like what is the learning what is the learning of me coming into this reality with you now with Catherine reality in this podcast and for the listeners to be listening to this now there is there are no coincidences there is a reason why you and I came together. I don't even know how you came across my book. And then we had a call and I said, um, you know, I get some people that ping me and they want to have a conversation. And sometimes my calendar is pretty hectic at times. So it feels intense. So, I mean, I always make space for everything. But when I came into that conversation with you, it felt like home. It felt like it didn't even feel like work. It didn't feel like I had to... Um, this is just another interview and it felt like, oh, this is a place where I came with another divine, um, let me find the right word, divine, um, presence that was actually, that was actually here to come into this reality to help me find my home and rest and we together rested in a place of of this like wisdom and peace and and transcendence and and i think that when your listeners are listening to you there are no coincidences you were here to help me reset something and to help me be more aware of something even the, this conversation that we had today and for the listeners also in your podcast, uh, there are no coincidences. There is something that we needed to come together to co-create this energetically. I'm honestly tearing up right now. <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes because <clears throat> that just touched me very, very deeply. And I think it touched me because you and I both know that it's true. We've been there, we've experienced it, we know it's that sacred home within that you were talking about at the very beginning of the conversation, right? Where we we recognized it in one another. Um, yeah, and just can feel comfortable and safe in that kind of environment because it's, it's something that we now can take in as truth and be familiar with. Um, we see these guys because have you ever been in a situation, and this is what happened, I think, with you, it's like when you're speaking with somebody and you don't have to pretend anything and there is you don't, there is no space or time. Yeah, yeah. It disappears. And yeah. now we're in another, in another place. Yeah, just completely, utterly present. Right. Yeah. And I think you provided some really key steps and things that people can be using I, in the last couple minutes here, want to look at one aspect of life, which is the professional aspect or being in business. How do you take all of this juicy goodness and take it out into the business world? Yes. So as a business leader, as a sales leader, at one of the most amazing tech companies in the world, I realized and 
culture starts with the journey with the self. Uh, so this journey that we talked about, the journey to, to, to self-acceptance, to love, to healing, to light, um, all of it, then when I, I feel whole and I feel light, I feel love, I can then come in and show the best version of myself as a, as a sales leader. I can now, I, I, I don't have this weight on my shoulders. I don't have these clouds um, that are, are covering the, the, the grandiosity of the greatness in me. Now I can just be fully free to, to, help, to help the business, to help the leaders are reported, to help my, the teams are report to me, and, and to, yes, achieve results, achieve business results, because we're here, right? But also for them to find happiness at work, true connection and happiness at work. And that's what I'm about, you know, helping them not just to be the best, you know, be very successful at what they do, but become the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. I love that. So it's not just about their career. It's about the whole person and their journey in life. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, Veronica Carrera, how can people stay in touch with you if they want to continue this conversation? No, thank you. So I have a website, veronicacarrera.com. And then you can find my contact information there. But you can also find me via LinkedIn. You can send me a message. I do answer the messages there. Facebook as well. Um, but you will find almost all my information on veronicacarrera.com. And uh, if you happen to read my book and go into Amazon, please uh, write a review. I, I always appreciate it. And, um, and that's it. I, I, I'm always, I will definitely answer you if you write me. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, definitely grab your version of the book, 140 Miles of Life, and write a review. I know I'm going to be doing mine later today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This is the Opportunity Made podcast. It's always great to gather with friends, serve widely, give greatly, and take care, everyone. Bye.